This is uh, from John 15, 4 through 11. Abide in me as I abide in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Elizabeth. I'm a pastor at Oklahoma City University. Um, I get to work with college students like almost all the time. Now, that's uh, it's super fun. Um, but they've started to add some administrate, more administrative work, and I kind of be like, oh, this is not as great. <laughs> but I, I've been at Oklahoma City University for four years, and um, in, before that I was at Swasu Wesley Foundation for seven years. So campus really, ministry is really my heart and my call, and um, then I love to get to come to churches and share that joy and that love and the life I have found in Christ through that work. And um, I, so I kind of have this goal. So I'm finishing up year 10, and um, I have preached at 94 different churches in our conference over the last 10 years. And uh, so, con- that, so like, oh, thank you, thank you. And I say that because I think that's kind of fun. I'm going to get to 100 within the year, y'all. That's pretty cool. Um, and, um, but I also it's just like, that's how much I love what I do. I gotta get out there, I gotta keep going, I gotta keep telling people how Christ is working in young people because too often we hear how he's not, right? Or how they've chosen to follow their own directions. But my, the reality I see is that way more trying to figure out what goodness means, what holiness means, what the possibilities are. So we're going to talk a little bit about that this morning, um, but I also just want to say a huge thank you to everybody who's been so welcoming today, um, to Richard and uh, to um, the person who greeted me when I first came in, because I was not sure where I was going at all. This is my first time here, and um, what a beautiful church, so welcoming. And my husband Eric is here with me this morning, and he's sitting through Sermon 2, so he's going to tell me which one was better. And our daughter Sadie, she's seven, and she um, has already decided that one was as much as she can put up with, so she's in, this, in Sunday school right now. And we're just so thankful. I'm also so thankful to Sharla, your pastor Sharla. She actually had invited me to come long before she knew she'd be sick. Um, 
And I'm thankful to your pastor, Heather, who called me on Friday to kind of touch base and make sure I was on the right track with where you all are in your Lenten service. But man, what a beautiful scripture. Abide in me as I abide in you. I was thinking about that word abide, and I was thinking, I do not use that word. (laughs) I don't know if you're like me, but like, that is not in my common vernacular, abide. It's a beautiful word, but it is not how I normally think about much else in the world, except for abiding in our Lord, abiding in God, abiding in Christ. And so I was looking at scripture and comparing it different translations, and I was thinking, yeah, that, that, that sounds a little more like why, what I would say. Um, so remain in me. That's how some of the translations talk about it. So remain in me. And another one I just, I think, like, feels more about how I feel about it. Live in me. Live in me. So I have to let you know I have a dangerous knowledge of grapevines. I don't really know anything except for that when I was growing up, they were often in our backyard. My dad is a United Methodist pastor. He still serves in a church in the Hulsa area. And um, we grew up in parsonages. Went to five different schools before I graduated, and um, half of my life was spent in the southwest Mangum, Oklahoma. And the other half um, was, I graduated from Miami, Oklahoma, so a lot closer to here. But the two farthest ends of the state in that direction, I guess if we'd lived in the panhandle, I could like claim a lot more. But um, those two places we lived the longest, And I remember the most vividly. And in both of those places, my dad planted grapevines. And um, I saw that there were times as an amateur grapevine grower, um, he would get too busy and leave them to kind of live in their own defenses. And so these grapevines would grow all over the place. Sometimes the, vine, the branches would swoop down into the ground because they got too heavy, the leaves got too big, the fruit would drag them to the ground. And when fruit drags on the ground, falls to the ground, it rots away and is no good to eat. And when the, the leaves are too much and they cloud, they, they start to strangle out the fruit that lives there. And so when I think about abiding in Christ, I think, one, that's a real possibility. Like if we live in a way that's kind of a lazy faith life, and it's easy to do, right? It's easy to just simply go through the motions of the church life, to sit down and stand up during the right hymns or the right creed or the right scripture. (laughs) Sorry to make fun just a little bit. Who knew where we were? I didn't. If we get comfortable, we too can let our fruit go to waste. You know, though, there are times where we do just need to rest in Christ. I... uh, I'm getting ready for spring break, friends. 
Not just college students get excited for it, but the people who work adjacent or with college students. So I see it just a week down the road. It's in sight. And I was really looking forward to just resting, wearing pajamas as much as possible, binging my favorite Netflix shows, eating lots of junk food. You know, I never do that in campus ministry. And then one of my students came up to me and he says, hey, you remember last year over spring break? Can we do that again? So last year we headed up to Camp Egan and we did a couple of days where we did some service projects out, out of Camp Egan. And, but mainly we just sat and played at Camp Egan. In the evenings we'd have snacks and we'd um, play games. They played a lot of jungle pong. I don't know if you all know this, but it's pretty popular with college and youth groups. It's like a variation. And we just relax for most of the day. And I think of this student who asked me, his name is Jake, and Jake is an overachiever at our university. In fact, most of our students are. He works two jobs. He studies super hard. His degree is religion. And right now, he is in um, Hebrew class. And let me tell you, that terrifies me, let alone the students who are in it. He um, has been involved in student government. He has helped his friends. He's a new student orientation leader. He is preparing for a new round of students to come in and welcome them as well. And so when he says to me, can we do that again? It's just one little call, email to set it up. No big deal. We're heading over to Canyon Camp this year. It's a little closer to home so their campus minister can rest a bit longer. We'll go. We'll do some service projects in the mornings. We'll open our Bibles in the evenings. And all the time between that, we'll take naps. And we'll talk and we'll play games. Oh, but don't we need that in our faith life? We need a community that we can sit with and rest with and be ourselves with. We need to live into the faith life in such a way that all we do is hold on to the goodness of God. And sometimes that's what the branches on that vine look like. They're just holding on for dear life. They're just letting the vine provide them with all the nutrients they need. They're letting the vine do the brunt of the work. The, wa the water from the soil, the nutrients from the ground, the, everything that's, that feeds them will come through that. We all need to rest in Jesus Christ. But sometimes the work of the branch is not that easy. I told you that uh, oftentimes our branches would become overgrown and um, heavy laden with leaves. And the person who is caring for, for the vine, the winemaker, the vineyard keeper, has to go through and cut back branches, has to thin out the leaves, has to make sure that... Um, it is attached to the strength and source, often a, a, a fence or stakes. And there are times that could seem really painful to us if we think about it in our own faith life. There are times that I've seen students struggle with what it means to be a Christian. 
I have a young man named Lucas, and it hasn't always been easy for him to be Christian. He grew up in a small church that uh, didn't always understand who he was or what he was about. Oh, young people, we can kind of get that. He would come with big questions about who he was, what God was about, how do you marry the things of this world and the things of faith. And in the end, it began to feel like this, what he brought was too much tension in his relationship with his church. So he walked away and almost into a painful place in his life. He felt like they didn't want him. And he wasn't very sure he wanted them at all. Over the years at his schooling at OCU, he found himself kind of angry about walking away and about feeling like he was excluded. And so first, he just ran from any faith tradition. And then through his schooling, he found that there were people who had just as many questions as he did. Surprise, surprise! <laughs> You're not alone. And so they gave him space to ask those questions, to struggle with his identity, to live outside of the church a while in a way that wasn't judgmental. And then he started to come back into conversation. First it was, well, I'm not a Christian anymore, but maybe I can be friends with Christians. So he found himself in our interfaith group where we have conversations across faith difference, belief difference, to try to make the world a better place. And to find a community of faith that wasn't judgmental, that was willing to say, we all need to work for some common good in the world, feeding the poor, clothing the naked, housing the homeless, those are things so many people want, not just us as Christians, but to find people that were willing to partner with him was like this huge eye-opener. I can be friends. And this last year, well, these last few months, I've seen Lucas start to creep back in to worship on our Monday night worship, in part because we're friends He's let me mentor him in this conversation about faith, in part because our students live out their faith in ways that feel more relatable, and in part because, well, I don't think he was ever really disconnected, right? That's not how God works. Always part of the vine, not always sure we're a real branch connected to it, though. But yet, there's other times where being part of this vine is a beautiful and loving experience. So I was thinking about like what stories I could tell you about where people know they are so connected to Christ. They know they're a part of this beautiful life of the church through, the, through God. They know that they're a part of a community that will lift them up. And I kept thinking of story after story happening in our ministry. And I wanted to be able to share it in part because, one, churches need to hear that the work 
they do through giving, through mission and ministry giving, really affects us and blesses us. And two, because United Methodist Churches, wherever I go, are part of that work. So here are these three stories, because I couldn't pare it down that well, of three young women who are doing amazing work in our ministry and have found their sweet spot in the gifts of God. Ashley is one of our peer ministers. Ashley came to us our second, her second semester at OCU. Her first semester, she got to school, and the first week she was there, her grandmother died. She's from North Carolina, and so one of the first things she did was hop back on a plane to be with her family. Well, that first week can be so important in finding your place and finding your people that she kind of limped through her first semester, wasn't sure where she'd be, but starting her second semester, she walked into our Monday night worship service, and she knew that God's Holy Spirit was present, and she never left. So this year, she's been working with us to start new ministries. She's a dancer. She dances beautifully. She challenges other dancers to live out their faith beautifully. And so she started a small group geared at that population on our campus. So on Sunday afternoon, in just a couple of hours, Ashley and her friends will gather to read the Bible together, to think about how God impacts their life together. And through that work... Her small group that is oftentimes six to eight people who has an average of 12 that kind of come in and out because all students are busy, they, uh, they have grown in their faith. And through her work, some have started to trickle into our, our Monday night worship service and some have found their own home there. Some have found their own home there. But she's not just going to invite people she knows will find a spiritual home at the Wesley Center because she's also invited friends who don't find their home there, but she's not afraid to do it. And I talked to her about it because one day, all of a sudden, four people I didn't know are in worship. (laughs) And that's a big deal in a small worship setting full of college students the second semester when everybody's checking out versus checking in. And she said, Elizabeth, I just want more of Jesus. I just want more of Jesus, and I want Jesus to work through me, and I want Jesus to just fill me so that more people can be filled with Jesus. And I was like, that's what you want to hear. That's the joy that we're talking about. That's the sweet spot of being someone connected to the vine, that you share the good fruit, that you produce it, that it's sweet and good for the world. Another one of our students loves to do service projects. Every summer that she's been a student, she um, has worked in a summer, summer um, mission, mission project where they bring in youth groups all summer long, and all summer long she teaches them about Jesus. So she's come back this year, and she really wants to help our students serve. So she's made a connection with a little bitty OIMC church, Oklahoma Indian Missionary Church, not too far from OCU. They're a poor church, they're a small church, and every month they've decided they're going to bless their community by giving out food in partnership with our regional food bank. So every month she gets to give out food with them and they love her. And every month she drags a a student or two, tries to bring different students with her so that they encounter the homeless, encounter the underprivileged, and encounter the goodness of Christ. 
Oh, and she's so alive in Christ. She comes back every week and says, or every month, and she has, first of all, they, they send home food with her too, because like, she's theirs. She'll, she'll bring home food and she'll set it in our kitchen and to share with all the other students, and she will say what this woman said and this woman shared and how they prayed for each other and who came with her and got to experience the joy she has in Jesus Christ. Oh, she has found her sweet spot. She is producing fruit. She is connected with the Lord. And the last story I want to tell is about my friend Elizabeth Gourney. I know she's, your, she's yours too, but she's mine. Elizabeth um, is in leadership in our ministry. And a few weeks ago, we did, um, we did an event where she did it. She planned it. Where she invited faith leaders from a variety of traditions in Oklahoma City to sit down with students and share about their faith life. And uh, I oftentimes let them run those events. So I stayed home that evening and got a text from Elizabeth that night. And she says to me, Elizabeth, she says to me, Elizabeth, if, this is confusing, friends, because it's truth. Like, we share the same name, we're both awesome people. She says, um, only one other person showed up. Like, all these faith leaders, herself, and one other student. And like, your heart hurts when you send out a student to lead their campus to bless their peers, and then all of a sudden, it doesn't get the results that either of you hope for. It would have been easy for Elizabeth to say, somebody else has to pick this up. Or, man, I'm frustrated, I'm stepping away. Or, oh, you let me down, because <laughs> I'm, her, I'm her campus minister. But the next text she sent me was about how she already has ideas for the next thing she wants to do. How she will pull in people she knows need to hear these good words. She's found a sweet spot, or at least she's on the way to it. She says, I've gotta keep leaning in to the source of the goodness in order to bear the fruit for those I know need to hear it. I hope you hear this, each of these stories, and know one thing, that I have found my sweet spot. I have found the place where I know God has called me to be, and it's mentoring these young people, it's challenging them to live their faith out loud, it is allowing them to be who they are in their calling with Christ. And that only happens when people believe that campus ministry is important, when they believe that college students are a fertile ground for ministry, when they believe that there's possibilities that the next generation gets to be good Christians too. So thank you for letting me minister to them. Thank you. But I don't tell you all these stories about myself or about my students to say, woo, look at us, although look at us, we're pretty great. Because what I want to tell you is, is about who we are leaning into, 
Who is the vine? Who is the vine dresser? Who is the source of all this goodness? Because you see, all of us know that it is not us that produce the fruit. We simply are the bearers of the fruit. Yes, we get to work with our Savior, but our Savior is the one who is grounded into the soil, who is pruning back the branches, who is the source of all that is good. And friends, you get to be part of that great big vine too. Who knows what fruit you may bear? And there will be seasons where all you need to do is rest in the assurance that you are a part of the vine. Let the vine do the work and enjoy the goodness. And there will be seasons when you are cut back, where your faith will hurt, where you will feel the hard work of what it means to be a follower of Jesus to see the hurt in your own life or in the lives of those you love or in the world, and to know that God's fullness is not yet present. But then there will be times where if you really hold on, you tap into the source of joy and life and love, you know Jesus more than others, whether that's through community gatherings, conversation with friends, prayer, scripture reading, that you will know that you are in your sweet spot of your life. And who knows what beautiful fruit you will provide to the world. And it's not just because of you. It's because one will carry you through and has called you to bear fruit. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.